0: Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. In the 1300s, when the Black Death was ravaging Europe, killing nearly a third of the population, the city of Venice issued an order for ships arriving to its port. Any ships coming from a port where the infection had already spread were required to sit at anchor for 40 days. Forty days they sat, no one getting on or off, to ensure that no infection was spread to the city of Venice. Forty days. The Italian word for forty is quaranta. You can hear the number four in that word quaranta if you think about our word for a fourth, a quarter. Quaranta in Italian means forty. And those forty days that a ship was required to sit at anchor, that quaranta gave rise to the word quarantine. It's a time of separation for someone infected with a disease to prevent the disease from spreading to others, a notion that we've all become very familiar with these days. But the word quarantine has another use that is timely in a different way. On the first Sunday of Lent, all the way back on March 1st, We read the gospel from Matthew chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness. Jesus spent 40 days and 40 nights fasting in the desert and was tempted by the devil. Those 40 days were another quarantine. In fact, the desert and mountain where Jesus was tempted have often been given the name quarantine in connection with the 40 days he spent there. But that's not the first time someone in the Bible observed a quarantine, a 40-day fast. Moses was on Mount Sinai, talking with God and receiving the law for 40 days after the people of Israel came out of Egypt. The prophet Elijah fasted in the desert for 40 days after he fled from the wicked queen Jezebel on his way to the same mountain of God. Where God appeared to Elijah not in an earthquake or a wind or a fire, but in a still small voice. And then there was Noah and his family who were lifted up in the ark when it rained for 40 days and 40 nights. And the people of Israel wandered for 40 years after they sinned against God by not trusting him. And so, when Jesus fasts in the wilderness for 40 days, he is echoing the law and the prophets that came before him. An echo made even more vivid in the transfiguration when Moses and Elijah appear with Jesus on the mountain, the law and the prophets, all of whom pointed ahead to Jesus as the fulfillment of everything that God had promised. And that's why we read the gospel of Jesus temptation on the first Sunday in Lent. For the season of Lent is our own Holy Quarantine. It's 40 days from Ash Wednesday to Easter Sunday. 40 days not counting Sundays, since Sundays are a day of resurrection, a day of new creation, a day of feasting and not fasting. But the rest of the week, from Ash Wednesday to Easter, there are 40 days of fasting and preparation, of girding ourselves in the struggle against the devil and our own flesh, a time of darkness and waiting but this morning the waiting is over the darkness has ended this morning we join with the women who arrive at the tomb just as light is dawning they did not know what they would find in fact they came prepared with spices to anoint jesus body but they had no plan as for how to remove the stone Even that is another echo, an echo of the story of Jacob and Rachel. Jacob was on a journey to his uncle's house as he fled from his brother Esau. He arrived at a well, the mouth of which was covered by a big stone. It took the strength of several shepherds to move that stone so they could water their flocks. When Jacob arrived, some shepherds were waiting there for the rest of the shepherds to arrive so they could move the stone. But when Jacob saw Rachel, his future bride, he single-handedly rolled the stone from the mouth of the well and watered her flock for her. What will it take to remove the stone from Jesus' tomb? Perhaps a band of soldiers could do it. Or perhaps a bridegroom like Jacob, who for the love of his bride, single-handedly rolls the stone away himself. The women did not know what they would find, but it was early morning. And it is often in the dawning light of early morning that God's great deeds that were hidden by darkness are revealed. And there, where they expected to find a dead body, they found instead a messenger. Do not be alarmed. You seek Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has risen. He is not here. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed, alleluia. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For Christ, in the darkness of the tomb, from the darkness of the cross, from the darkness of this sin-sick and decaying world, Christ has dawned as the Son of righteousness. Death, which was our great enemy, the enemy that no one can overcome, the enemy who claims every last one of us, death, which is the wages of sin and the just punishment for our wickedness, death has been destroyed, swallowed up in victory. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Paul is referring to this beautiful passage from Isaiah 25. Death is swallowed up in victory. It's a glorious promise, often read as a lesson at funerals. It is a promise for you and for me in the depths of our woe as we wait and look for the salvation of God. It goes like this. Here's what Isaiah says. On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil. On this mountain, Isaiah says, on this mountain, God will prepare a feast. He's talking about Mount Zion, Jerusalem, the mountain of the Lord. For just as Moses and Elijah met God on the mountain, the people of Israel were to meet God in the temple on Mount Zion. But in Jesus, God does a new thing. No longer is his presence on this mountain or that one, for Jesus is himself the new temple. Just as he said, if they were to destroy the temple, he would rebuild it in three days. They didn't know that he was talking about the temple of his body, but he did, just as he said. And they destroyed the temple, and he rebuilt it in three days. And in the person of Jesus Christ, in which all the fullness of God dwells, God's presence is here for us. Wherever Jesus is, God's saving presence is there for you. Wherever Jesus is, in spirit and in truth, there, death has no power. There, the Lord God wipes away tears from all faces. There, in the resurrected Jesus, in his word, in his body and blood, in his forgiveness, life, and salvation, we receive everything for which we have waited. Don't you see? You have been given the cure. The antidote to death is yours. The remedy for sin and guilt has been poured out on you. You have been made whole and healthy and full of life. Our holy quarantine is over. The darkness is past, the light has dawned, and our hope in Christ has not been put to shame. Indeed, because he is risen from the dead, so too shall we. We will rise imperishable, immortal, Incorruptible, because we are in Christ. Our Redeemer lives, and at the last he will stand upon the earth. And after our skin has been destroyed, yet in our flesh we shall see God. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia.